You're listening to episode 54 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. And uh, 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 today's episode, we're, uh, 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 we're going to oh. talk about Thor, old Sparkle Fingers himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you were doing uh, Grandmaster. That's, that's Phil's Jeff Goldblum oh. impression. Not bad. It's not bad. It's much like your Nicolas Cage impression. It's not bad, but it's not the greatest. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know if you guys saw that uh, that video I sent you uh, from GQ where he talks about His uh, tattoo. people's tattoos of him. Yeah. When he. When he uh, uh, when he started talking about how he uh, he kind of uh, hems and haws, I was like, as someone who has edited myself on a podcast, that's really encouraging. <laughs> I was actually going to say because uh, if someone uh, if someone of Jeff Goldblum's uh, 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 calib- caliber can do it, then I definitely can. <laughs> Dude, I swear to God, when Phil started it, I thought he was making fun of you. So like, <laughs> that's perfect. I'm all right. I'm all right with that. Uh, that uh, tangentially, uh, that makes me uh, similar to uh, Jeff Goldblum. To uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum is a special person. We're going to talk about him more a little later because. On today's episode, we're going to be reviewing Thor Ragnarok. Keep going. No, I'm giving you background music. Who could talk over that? Come for the land of ice. Where the midnight comes and the hot springs blow. You guys are finally all on board. Welcome. Welcome, my brothers. Yeah, yeah, it took us welcome, a week. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, you guys, we're gonna oh, go do a podcast. The worst. You want to come? No, God. <laughs> no, he's, that one didn't he's land. Kiwi, he's not from Jersey. <laughs> what the hell? Ugh. Rough. Yeah, but I am. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Kale moves to New Zealand, and all of a sudden, he's an expert on on the dialects. He's Kiwi, obviously. Wait, who's uh. Kiwi? Uh, Court. <laughs> oh, oh, cool, cool. That was yeah, that yeah. was that was Taika Waititi. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that made it so yeah. much better. Oh, I can't yeah, wait. Oh my gosh, I didn't know. You, I didn't know you knew that. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, cool. <laughs> so now I'm excited to do the show. Uh, and we're going to be talking about Thor Ragnarok a little later. You're going to get our spoiler-free impressions, and then we're going to spoil the hell out of the movie. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And we're going to do way more impressions. So uh, uh, That's almost uh, uh, guaranteed. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so uh, just for uh, the Obviously, the this Pat's morning we are providing you with um, <laughs> impressions. Uh, torture. Yeah, torture. If you enjoy torture, uh, there are many places you can find it and just keep getting tortured all day by us if you want. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're a five-star rated podcast on there. We're very egotistical about that. Um, so you can continue that. We're also on SoundCloud where you guys are very good to us and all other podcast hosting platforms. So check us out. 
We're also on social media at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Uh, we accept all manner of tribute for our awesomeness. You can send us your Thor reviews if you want, and we'll read them <laughs> on the air next week. Um, let us know what you thought of the movie. And then last but not least, we're on YouTube, where we've got all of our um, New York Comic Con interviews out. They're all out now. Check them out. It's good stuff. We had a blast there. You guys can follow our journey through our videos on on uh, YouTube. Yo, please go check out my 15-minute interview with Jerry Conway, because it's yeah. awesome. Yep, that was a particular highlight. Did he talk about ruining the adolescence and puberty of Spider-Man? You'll have to tune in and find out. No, I want you to tell me now. No. <laughs> well, I'm going to leave you a one-star rating. That's ridiculous. This is an Uber. You're leave your own podcast a one-star rating? No, he's going to leave well, me yeah, specifically, specifically a one-star rating. Well, Phil's right that it's not Uber. You can't do that. Um, well, I'm going to go straight to Slack and Slash, and then we'll see about that. <laughs> we'll just see. That's that's uh, that's brutal. That's a brutal dig. Uh, and then, again, we've got a lot of other exclusive content on YouTube, so be sure to check that stuff out. There's a lot of good stuff. A lot of gems on there. Jump on board. Let's see those subscribers. So let's let's jump right into it with a buy or sell that's inspired very much by the movie that we just saw, Thor Ragnarok. So three movies or three franchises, I should say, under the Marvel umbrella have completed trilogies, Cap, Thor and Iron Man. So the question is, of those three, which would you like to see a fourth movie for the most? So buy or sell on which trilogy you want to see expand to a fourth movie, Cap, Thor, or Iron Man. Hmm. Selling Iron Man. Okay, but who are you buying yeah. on? <laughs> yeah, you uh, got to pick I the one that you buy on. You're selling on two of them. Yeah, but I'm, I'm working <laughs> it out of my head as we speak. Boy. <clears throat> oh, okay. It's, it's a pretty even split for me, I think, on Thor and Cap. Um, after, after the most recent Thor, I'm, I'm curious as to where they're going to go with it. And, uh, I'm not a hundred percent excited about whatever, like if they follow the direct plot line for Cap, but I'm always here for Chris Evans. Yeah. You know, it's weird. Cause like, I feel like before Thor, I would have easily answered this Captain America because it's the only set of those films where I like every entry in the franchise. Um, and it's the also also the only one where I think <clears throat> there's an increase in quality between every entry in the franchise. So that seems like a natural answer. But like the Russos are going to not be doing the next one, whatever it is. So that's a knock against it. And to Kale's point... I was not interested in the first two Thor movies, and I finally got one I liked. So, another Thor movie in that direction, um, like, seems like something I would definitely be down for. So, I guess I guess I'll go with Thor because I don't know what the future holds for Captain America as a franchise, and I don't know that it can exceed what the Russos have achieved with it. But I feel like Thor definitely has the ability to like 
produce another movie that's as good as Ragnarok, if not better. Okay. That's untapped well. All right. Uh, Kale, do you, do you have uh, an answer? <clears throat> that wasn't good enough. Oh, did you all... I, I, have it, I have enough money to buy both. No, you, you know, don't. <laughs> I, have, I have money. <laughs> Strahd, I have money. Uh, definitely sell on Iron Man. Oh, oh boy. Amen, brother. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with. Ugh. I'm gonna. If you're gonna. Okay. If you're gonna make me. Despite me having all this money just lying around. Uh, I'm gonna go. Oh, boy. I'm gonna go with Thor. Um, I. I. Oh. I uh, am very. I love Chris Evans, Captain America, but there aren't a lot of Captain America stories that I am a hundred percent crazy about. Um, assuming, assuming that uh, Cap wasn't going straight into Avengers: Infinity War, I think I would be really interested in like uh, a, a Nomad movie. You know where he is uh, a man without a country or whatever, uh, but we're not gonna get that. So another another spacefaring adventure uh, for Thor for me, for pirate Thor for me. I would I would love to see that. Like I know they're going back to Earth, but them like fucking roaming around the galaxy on like the the, the their crazy pirate arc with Thor as the captain king of the careful, of guys. the Asgardians. Careful, careful. We're not in the spoiler section. Oh, I'm sorry, fuck. Whoops. <laughs> uh Phil? Um <clears throat> I think I go buy in Captain America. Um though what Pete said is super relevant in the fact that the Russos wouldn't be doing the next Captain America movie, presumably. Um I'd like because of those films being generally the best of those three trilogies. I'd like to see Captain America actually receive an ending film to end the story arc, um, because none of those last hmm. movies feel like the end of a trilogy. They they just keep setting up more bullshit. So I would like to see a final Captain America movie. Okay, uh, Marco, what are your thoughts? Um, so I didn't see Thor, but given the, just the general trilogies, uh, definitely not going Iron Man. And then I agree with, uh, Phil that I kind of wanted to see where the story arc would resolve, uh, where it ends up. Um. For Captain America. For Cap, yeah, for Cap, for Cap. Um. And yeah, I agree that I think they're the better crafted ones from like, I mean, to some extent from a directorial standpoint, but other than that, yeah, I think I'm going to go with, uh, with Cap. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to give a surprising answer and I'm going to buy on Iron Man. Uh, That's not super surprising. No? Huh. We've been doing this show for fifty some odd episodes. Uh, your <laughs> your answers are the standard comic boy answers. Like it's not. Oh, what? <laughs> I feel like I feel like the standard. Damn, that turned into a dig. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the standard answer would be Cap, actually. But let me explain my position. So 
with with Iron Man, I feel like there is a big monkey in the room, and that's the Mandarin. We still have not seen that character for real, and he's the biggest villain that the that of the three that that's available. The others have kind of already faced off with their, you know, big time villain. So that's still open territory. And I also feel like there's there's a huge story with Iron Man that's kind of untold. Like, where is his life going? Is is the Iron Man a sustainable future for him? I would love to see them sort of tell the story of him maybe winding down his career. And I think that that's a story they're pro. If they are going to tell it, it's probably going to be told in an Avengers movie, likely the upcoming two. But I would like to see that be something personal. Uh, the last ride of Iron Man, if you will. So I'm going to buy on Iron Man and sell on Thorn Cap. As tough as it is to do. Sean, would you buy? Um, would you buy Cap if it was Secret Empire? Yep. Yep. No brainer. <laughs> oh, no brainer. I, f- it- I I completely forgot what the. Uh, Secret Empire storyline was. I was thinking of Secret Invasion, which is the the scroll, the scroll one. Right. Uh, Aren't you always the one that gets those two confused? No, I did that yeah. in a previous episode. Yeah, I would love to see the Secret Empire uh, storyline adapted for film. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, you'll but, never uh, you'll never get Chris Evans to do it for sure. No. You'll never get Chris Evans to do it. I don't think you could get Faye to do it. Quite frankly, I don't think. That I don't think. I don't, I don't think they should. Yeah, this is definitely not the. Maybe like ten years from now, <laughs> it'll never happen. To be honest, I think that's one of those uh, stories that's that should just stay in the comics. As much as I would personally like to see it, I think it works. I mean, you know. Your mileage may vary as how much it works for you, but like it works for me. But I think it works best in comic form. Um, sure. At Especially rate, in this you, climate. You, oh, forget about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> people will be people will be bothered by Cap Nazi and reflect and like reference it uh, to this time forever. You know, if, if they ever try to do that again, people will always be mad about it. I think. He would be the he would be the David Pumpkins of the Marvel universe. I don't get that reference. The David S. Pumpkins. Me neither. You guys haven't no. seen the David Pumpkins sketch? No. Nope. Oh, guys, I can't. I <sighs> man, right over my head. <laughs> Kale, you're gone for a while. You you lose your rhythm. You start making re- you're making references we don't get. Talking about kiwis and stuff, man. Come on. <laughs> He wasn't a Kiwi, Kale. He was a rock man, okay? Oh. If you want to answer the buy or sell, feel free to write in with your answer. I think it's it's one of those where you could create a compelling argument for any of the three to continue with uh, another film. So let's totally. know your thoughts. Let's do some pals polls. We're going to start off with Marco, who chose Grass Kings number nine. What's that? Is that about uh, Grass King? Weed? What? Is that about smoking weed? It is not. <laughs> Are you sure? It's Grass about... <laughs> Kings 420 blazing! <laughs> <laughs> it's a story about a sort of like um, a convoy that lives um, outside of this city. And they're called the Grass Kingdom. And what they do is they live outside of the United States uh, law. It's sort of like a... It's sort of kind of like a Native American... Um, reservation but like not really it's like it's self-proclaimed uh it's self-proclaimed kingdom and they constantly are 
um, in disputes with the neighboring town and their police force who allow them to, to sort of live their, their lives there because for whatever reason they can, um, but they get into a lot of conflicts. And so this is sort of the new arc. And this is like the middle of the new arc. Um, they just finished like this giant war. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, it's really cool. The art's great. Um, Matt Kint and Tyler Jenkins. Mm. Um, really good team. Nice. Nice. Cool. Uh, and then you also chose Harrow County number 27. Yep. Harrow County. Uh, say it all the time. My One of my favorite horror comics, if not the favorite, uh, written by Cullen Bunn and drawn by or painted by Tyler Crook. Um, he's the guy that my favorite artist currently. I got some paintings of his. You can check out our Instagram and stuff for that. Awesome. Uh, so from Pete, we've got Paper Girls Deluxe Edition, hardcover number one. Yeah, so <clears throat> I think I called this out last week as like an extra. I was like, oh yeah, this is also out if you haven't read it. I was wrong. It's out this week. Go buy it if you haven't read Paper Girls. It's great. Brian K. Vaughan is one of my favorite writers, and uh, I mean, I think we all enjoy his work. So um, definitely go check out Paper Girls, especially if you uh, you know just came off Stranger Things. It's definitely a good. Uh, it's got that same kind of vibe. So be a good uh, holdover until next season. Cliff Chang on art, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Good stuff. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Uh, so for Especially Kale. those covers, man. For Kale, we've got Detective Comics number 968. Uh, I believe this is the return, uh, like the official return of Tim Drake into the uh, the DCU uh, after he was killed or something. So uh, he actually, so it, like maybe 20 issues ago or so in Detective Comics, um, he, he was, he was air he, quotes killed. He kind of sacrificed himself and he didn't actually die, but everyone has mourned his death. So now he's, that was in Snyder's run, right? No, it was in Detective Comics. Uh, James Tynion's been writing that for some time now. And uh, so he died and now he's back and everyone's kind of reacting to him being back and stuff like that. Hmm. Man. Oh, wait. I just I just want to ask a clarifying question about how that works. Just so it's like Detective and and Tom King's Batman, like they like the things that happen in, in them are reactionary or not reactionary to each other. But like they feed into each other. Right. Even though they're two different stories. Not really. Detective um, is more the the family book, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it sort of okay. focuses more on the 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 Bat team more so than Batman. Okay, because because I remember when we were reading Tom King's Batman for the Tom King special, however long ago, it was like, oh, like Tim had just died, and I was like, but isn't this the beginning of this run? Like, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I was yeah. Okay, cool. <clears throat> Thanks. <laughs> it's a good it's a good run, by the way. Yeah, yeah, uh, I've, I've only heard good things. Yeah. Sabella did the uh, the spoiler stuff on it, didn't he? Yeah, Sabella's actually written a number of issues for this, mm. uh, co co writing mostly. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, Tim Drake, uh, like I, is probably my my Robin. Um, I really, I I got into comics with the uh, the original Young Justice run. Uh, that my library had um i have that like exact book they they gave it to me because i was the only person that checked it out um huh uh, but i <laughs> i love that sort of 90s era robin superboy and uh impulse team 
Um, so it's really, really good to see uh, Tim Drake, the real Tim Drake, back in action and unsullied by Scott Lobdell. Uh, yeah, Ragman is, uh, uh, I mean, he's probably not even a, a B-lister. He's C-D-lister for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's a, he hangs out with like the... Ragman's got the hard D. <laughs> he hangs out with the, the magic uh, superheroes. Uh, <clears throat> what's, what's their team name? They were... Justice League Dark. He has, he's been in that one. Is he Justice League Dark? I was thinking. He, I was thinking. Like, he, he appears every once in a while. I was thinking of uh, Infinite Crisis. He was part of. Uh, with Blue Devil, Enchantress, Shadow Pact. Thank you. Um. Uh. And I. I. I <laughs> have been enraptured with that character since they sort of crossed over again with uh, Tim Drake in the Robin uh, solo title. Um just a really cool idea for a character and uh, i'm really pumped to finally see him uh with a title on the stands yeah to continue kind of my uh kung fu book uh streak really pumped to finally have a uh, shang chi on a, a book by himself for a minute um I, yeah, I think it's going to be really good. Who's writing it? Ooh, I, some guy named uh, uh, Kim Punk. Awesome, <laughs> you're a punk. Kim Kim Punk. Kim Kim Punk. See, I'm punk. Kim, nice. The, Kim Poo Unk. The worst. The worst part about the word punk is there aren't very many ways you can mispronounce <laughs> it. Funk. <laughs> Uh, no, that's putting in a whole different letter, Phil. Uh, I can read. I just can't pronounce words. Yeah, I don't know if I want to buy this. I, I it could be good. It could definitely yeah, could be good. Bitch. CM Punk. Ugh, I hate that I said that. Uh, CM Punk. Wait, has some I'm sorry. I, I, so while I was in Thor Ragnarok the other day, I was there with Thompson from the Video Game Pals, and I was sitting next to his girlfriend, and we were watching the trailers, and she leans over to him and goes, "Could be good." And I was just like, no! Oh my god, no! <laughs> I do it. I, I pretty much, uh, and I say it the same way Phil does whenever I go, I go, ah, could be fun. Could be good. <laughs> could be fun. That's a different thing. I mean, is it, like, it, yeah, think but about, kill, think kills about, a grandpa. Think about what you're saying, Sean. Like, is it, is it different? No, it's different. Know, it's man. the same. Okay, fine. I, I feel like that's that's Kale's equivalent of like being a grandparent, being like Pokemon. Right. Yeah. Like it's not it's not it's not the same, but it's close enough. And it would take <laughs> and it would take literally no effort to learn how to say it properly. But there's just this block. Like I just yep. can't say it right. I just can't do it. Oh, he, I just don't give a single shit. Right. He he looks important. I'll name him Hamilton. <laughs> So Tumbleweed. Let's let's wrap up the palace pulls here with uh, the latest and greatest from Mr. Tom King. Uh, Phil and I have chosen Mr. Miracle number four. 
Phil, you can say some words on this one. Step right up and see the greatest escape artist of our time, presented by Tom King, Mitch Gerads, and DC Comics. Come one, come all. That was beautiful. Thank you. Uh, this book has is... so excited. It's It's been strong. It's been really strong. The last uh, issue ended with a bang. And I can't wait to see where it hey, goes. Hey, no spoilers. No, no spoilers. Okay, I, I just picked up all three issues that had been out already uh, at my at my local comic book shop last week. So I'm so excited to jump into that before ne- or I guess this week. <laughs> Do we know how long is this? Uh, how long is this miniseries? Twelve. twelve. Is it twelve? Yeah, it's twelve I, issues. Are they? Do we know? So, are they going to do a, a one and two volume trade, or is it going to come out as a whole I'm, thing? Do we know I'm yet? Sure do a, I'm sure they'll do a volume one and two trade. Volume one, yeah. two, then the deluxe hardcover yeah. that collects. Probably, yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. Probably because I can't wait to jump on that. Yep, yeah, of course. It, it's it's definitely worth uh, yours and everyone else's while. It's Tom King. Uh, so let's do some news. Um, it's an interesting place to start, actually, with the news because everyone knows and everyone has talked about the problems of the DC Cinematic Universe or the DC Film Universe or DC Films or whatever the hell you want to say. DCFU? There you go. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And we know that, you know, Batman, Superman, Suicide Squad, Man of Steel, they've all kind of, you know, critically haven't done so hot. Uh, And now it seems like there's a big shift. And Superman himself has come out and is speaking about the problems that they have had. Uh, so Henry Cavill sat down with Rake Magazine, and he kind of talked about what's been going on and how he sees the situation and where he sees um, the DC film universe going. So I'll read some quotes from Superman himself. We can start telling the stories in the way they need to be told. It is even better to come back from a, um, a mistake or stylistic error into the correct vein because it will make it seem that much stronger. Wonder Woman was the first step in the right direction. Now, we'll 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 address the exact quote a little later, but let me just get through just a little bit more here. Yes, it has made money, but it hasn't been a critical success. It hasn't given everyone the sensation which superheroes should give the viewer. So, that's Is he saying that about Wonder Woman? Uh, no, he's saying about the DCEU as a whole. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah he said Wonder Woman's the first step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he, he, he said <clears throat> that, yeah, he said Wonder Woman is, is, is sort of getting it right, and that uh, these aren't quotes, this is just what, you know, summed up from the article. Yeah, That yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if Marvel Studios wasn't making any films at all, then the DCEU would still be struggling uh, because there have been some, you know, issues as far as tone and such so what do you guys think yeah. about what he had to say i mean spot on right i mean this what we this we <clears throat> excuse me this is what we've been saying all along like every every um, week at this point yeah right exactly and i feel like the reaction to wonder woman is no surprise you know like it's wonder woman is exactly what a superhero movie should be you know it's it's inspiring it's got heart and you know it, it makes you walk away like feeling you know like i said inspired and uh i think like that's kind of ultimately what i think you want to try to hit with 
especially like the DC characters, I think lend themselves to that kind of stuff. Um, because they do have that kind of like godlike, you know, pantheon quality almost. Um, and, and I don't feel that way about any other movies in the DCFU, you know? Uh, and I, you know, I think it's kind of crazy to hear him come out and say this. Like, this seems like a PR nightmare waiting to happen, but like, obviously they're not telling him he can't say that if he is coming out and saying it, right? I feel, I feel, I actually, I probably feel like this is a calculated PR move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think it's dishonest by any means, but uh, he, I would probably wager that he has probably suffered the worst as far as, like, character representation. Um, so, for, and, and, like, like, from what I understand, like, he's a, he's a Superman fan. So to to be Superman and and come and and then come out and have like such a a hard uh, turn for for the character is just like that's gotta be frustrating to say the least. Yeah, and with regard to like being a PR move, I think this is probably like sort of a good one in the sense that they're sort of owning up and and making sure the public knows that they know their concerns you know because like like our big thing is oh yeah like these movies have been like x y have been doing poorly because of xyz reason um and this is maybe just like an acknowledgement of that and realizing that hey you know you're right wonder woman is the direction we should be going hey you're right the movies we've been doing up until this point haven't been the greatest due to x y and z and so we realize that and I guess it's sort of like a, like a way to just tell people that they're listening, you know? Because I don't think, unless you guys feel differently, I don't think you guys had like a negative reaction seeing this more so like a, yeah, we kind of knew that. I think, uh, I think it's good that he said this, and I think it's good that it came from him, and I think that over the last month or so, there's definitely been some, there's definitely been some walking back of the way that they've approached the film so far as far as the actors themselves talking about them the actors the directors jeff johns has had things to say patty jenkins gal gadot they've all had things to say but i think henry cavill is the one who's really kind of plainly speaking as much as he can right like he does he does he does he is speaking in, in some senses like you know he's not gonna say well these movies just suck right um, but I, I do think he's speaking as plainly as he possibly can. And I think that's good because people need to know that they recognize what they've done wrong. Far be it for me to argue with Superman. Oh, I'll argue go. with Superman all day. No, don't be ridiculous. You <laughs> and Dr. Manhattan. Uh, so Wonder Woman was referenced by uh, Henry Cavill as being the start of something new. And apparently, we've talked about this before, people really reacted to how Wonder Woman has changed the DCFU uh, because it is officially now the highest grossing superhero origin movie, uh, beating out 2002 Spider-Man movie that is, you know, the one that started it all uh, from a lot of people's perspectives. So, not really a ton to talk about, just congratulations to... 
the movie and the crew behind it. Fuck yeah. Pete, I have a question. Go check out our review. <laughs> yes, yeah, check out our review of the movie if you you know haven't heard that and want to hear what we have to say. Uh, Pete, I have a question for you. If Justice League is good, will we stop calling it the DCFU? No. <laughs> what? That's the best name for a film universe, period. That's <laughs> literally so, yeah, this I mean, could be the best thing for us is to get that hashtag going. Like, no way will we stop that. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, like when I call it the DCFU, like I know I made it as a joke. Um, you know, it's I made kind it of as like a joke. Oh, well, uh, did you? Yeah, Whatever. I have the, I have the Whatever. sound clip. <laughs> well, Sean asked me, so I'm taking credit for the joke. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but, but I guess, like, I feel like it's more of a dig at them for being, like, it's not called the DCEU. And it's just like, all right, well, then what's it called? Right. It's the DCFU now. You know, it's like, so I, I think even if Justice League's good, we keep it. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so let's shift over to the comics a little bit. We, you know, comic book news is hard to come by these days after uh, New York Comic Con. Uh, but DC did have some stuff to break this week uh, because there is a Batman Wonder Woman comic in the works. Uh, that's being reported by uh, Bleeding Cool. And uh, it's, the only thing we really know about it is that Liam Sharp, who drew um, did some of the art for Wonder Woman, it was him... And another artist handling uh, the two different story arcs. That uh, doing that Nicola book. Scott was the other artist, Nicola I believe. Nicola Scott, yes. She is fantastic. Um, so there's been a Batman Superman book. There have been many Batman Superman books. There's been a Superman Wonder Woman book. But there's never been a Batman Wonder Woman book. And so we're getting that now. And I'm wondering if they're trying to sort of make Batman and Wonder Woman now... In the film universe, what Superman and Wonder Woman have always been in the comic book universe. Because they've always kind of been the ones with the real, like, sort of romantic connection and everything like that. It seems like they may be going down that road in the films, and they may be trying to echo that in the comic. What do you guys think? I think I think it's good. I mean, I don't, I don't know about the if they should do it in the comics, especially since he and uh, Catwoman, Catwoman just got engaged or whatever uh but as far as the film universe goes i'm a hundred percent behind it yeah i i I remember getting the impression that there was romantic tension between them in justice league like the animated series yeah um when we were younger yep so i i feel like that totally works for me that's that's Um, that's top tier uh justice league shipping right there Oh boy! Oh yeah! Uh, get this off my um, show. <laughs> get you off my show. Save it for fucking Riverdale. <laughs> Go ahead. bro. All right, we're all about the ships. Um, I'm all about ships. Friendships. Gonna break the. Uh, gonna break. No. Gonna break the wine bottle on that ship. <laughs> but you yeah, to answer your sailors. question, Sean, I, I, I definitely feel similar to Kale, where like I feel like doing that in the comics is weird. When they have this storyline brewing about him like being engaged and getting married, well, I'm not so comfortable with that. Don't, don't, uh, don't, don't tether yourself too much to that. Really. Oh, I'm sure it won't actually happen. Yeah. but uh, Phil, you had an immediate reaction. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm cool with a Batman Wonder Woman book. Like, 
It doesn't need romantic subtext. Why does Wonder Woman have to be passed around Justice League member to Justice League member, frankly? Whoa. Uh, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. talking about that? <laughs> <laughs> the immediate thing is like, the immediate visceral reaction is like, oh, Batman and Wonder Woman, they could make good partners. And to me, it's like, why can't they just yes, kick ass together? But nobody, nobody's talking about passing her around. Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so, just to clarify, uh, the reason why I asked that question is because that's the way that's the way that's the way things seem to be going. Uh, Pete mentioned the romantic tension. There's been plenty of shipping, obviously, of those two characters uh, being in a relationship. That's not something that's in the comics right now, but historically, it has been in the past. Um, at least, you know, depending on you know, depending on what uh what canon you're following or whatever so it's it's not out of the realm of reality and you know that, that yeah if it, if it was if it was flash and wonder woman comic i certainly wouldn't uh think that sure 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 um it makes sense that dc is publishing this book wonder woman is um certainly in the zeitgeist right now batman is always the number one character in comic books so from like a financial standpoint, there's probably a decent amount of money to be made here. Um, and you're right. I mean, Tomasi did Superman, Wonder Woman. Uh, numerous writers like Loeb and Pac have done Superman, Batman. So it's cool that we're getting the other two members of the Trinity on a title together in that regard. Yeah. It's about time. I can't believe that there's never been one before. I know that they had that... Um... It was like a one shot or something, or it was like the '66 Batman and '70 whatever Wonder Woman. '77, '77. But that was like a that was like one or two or issues, right? Yeah. Like that was a mini series. I can't believe there's never been one before. That's crazy. Yeah. Hmm. I'm looking forward to it though. Those are yeah. my two cool. favorite characters. From I really, I really hope the uh, you know the the hot commodity that Wonder Woman is. Ooh, I regret saying that. Uh, <laughs> helps really helps Batman with sales, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been dwindling, you know. I he's uh, he's a relic of a bygone era, really. Yeah. Fucking Boy Scout. Fucking Adam West. R.I.P. <laughs> yes, R.I.P. Have we have we exhausted that topic yet? I believe so. Okay. Uh, so this is this this next news item is probably the most surprising of the entire week and i think a lot of people might not even know about this apparently there is a lord of the rings tv series being developed by amazon yeah i heard about this huh yeah super strange kelly have you have you seen any uh extra hobbits around recently i mean yeah i'm here (laughs) (laughs) you do have furry feet have you seen my feet yeah that's ridiculous man and he eats like eight meals a day. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, one second. So Variety is the is the one reporting this, and according to them, the estate of J.R.R. Tolkien uh, are talking to Amazon about the possibility of a show, um, but it's in very early stages, so we probably won't see anything concrete in terms of you know any kind of visual or casting or anything like that for a couple years. But what do you guys think about? the possibility of something like this. This is huge, especially because they kind of started the the fantasy-based 
kind of grounded uh, like genre as, as far as film and television are concerned putting that on the big stage and Game of Thrones has capitalized so maybe Lord of the Rings could sort of take that back since Game of Thrones is ending what do you guys think <laughs> I, I, I'm not excited about this news really at all uh, we've seen Lord of the Rings and we've seen it done really really well and each of those films even the new ones have like 12 hour extended versions uh, so I, I just don't know what else there really could be to mine there well fair uh, but I, I would rather see something different like um, there was an, another announcement this week that uh, uh, you guys might have to help me with the, the name here I, I believe the author's name is uh, uh, Patrick Rothfuss and his uh, King's King's Killer Chronicles. Have you guys heard of that? That's being uh, developed. Uh, I can't. I can't remember by who, but uh, produced by Lin Manuel Miranda. Um, something a little different. Cool. Something you know. I, I'm I'm a little more excited about that, just because it's King, something different. King Killer, King Killer Chronicles. I think so. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with Kale on this one. It's like I feel like Peter Jackson's trilogy is uh, a pretty fantastic uh, adaption of those of those stories, and not to say that it's like untouchable and we never ever should ever make another Lord of the Rings movie necessarily, but I don't feel like we've had enough distance from them because like we did the Hobbit movies not that long ago, they weren't very good, but like. I don't feel like it's been that long since Lord of the Rings happened in the same way that like people were complaining about like Spider-Man fatigue with like, oh, we're rebooting Spider-Man again. It's like I kind of would feel that way about Lord of the Rings. It's like, do we really need this right now? You know, like five, ten years from now, maybe this would be something I'd be interested in. But right now, especially trying to, like you said, kind of like chase what Game of Thrones is doing, but with like the Lord of the Rings, I don't necessarily have any interest in that. Like, there are other stories in that universe that could be told. Like, if they wanted to tell an original story set in the universe of Middle-Earth, like, that's something I might be interested in. Um, You know, the Similarian has got a lot of stuff. And there's plenty of eras of Lord of the Rings that we've never explored in an actual story. So if they wanted to do something like they've done with the, um, you know, Shadow of War or Shadow of Mordor video games and, like, just do something new in that universe... Uh, that I would be way, way more interested in. But if we're just going to tell the story of the books across multiple seasons of television, like, you know, we'll see. Um, so my first thought was I'm surprised, I'd be surprised the Tolkien estate is very, very protective of J.R.R. Tolkien's work. Um, every time jackson made a film it was a it was a fight it was a struggle um i think that a show could be good there's a lot in the books that are left out of the films like tom bombadil and things like that so there's there there are things that you could expand upon um and like P said, there's a lot in the, the the appendices of Return of the King and the uh, Similarian that you could draw from. 
Um, but my inclination is to think that nothing will come from it, but I could be wrong, obviously. Could be wrong. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't have a great attachment to the Lord of the Rings. I've never read the books. I've only seen the movies, and I fell asleep during all of them. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. uh, I I feel similarly about this as I do everything else, which is that nothing is sacred. I think if if there is. I mean, there's always more in the books that doesn't get explored in these films. Yeah. And so for that reason alone, I think it could be a good idea. Uh, I think that the world is kind of primed for this kind of content, especially because there is going to be a gap with Game of Thrones ending. But I also agree with Pete that uh, if there is stuff that's never been explored, it would be cool to at least find ways to incorporate that and maybe focus on that with the stuff that happened in the films as a backdrop, if that's possible. I think there are a lot of ways to approach something like this. So on its face, I'm way into it. You know what's interesting? I, I This is like a little outside of the scope of your question, but talking about like fantasy series that are coming to streaming services to maybe rival Game of Thrones in its absence, uh, I'm going to be interested to see how... If we're going to see like a bunch of Game of Thrones chasers come, because we talked about it on the video game pals a while ago about how they're uh, developing a Witcher show on Netflix based on those books. And there's a ton of books set in that universe. So there's like another, you know, rich fantasy world that's also, you know, obviously got fanfare around it because of the video game series. Um, I I wonder how I I wonder if that's like going to be the next trend. You know, I think it's like they're still it's already going like there are there's uh three pirate stories that are out there now that are like oh no they're trying to like my girlfriend watches one of them uh black sales i think that's it is. the first one that yeah, comes to one. mind uh but like they yeah they all have that real fantasy feel to them that doesn't quite I, I've heard they're all really good, but they don't quite hit that Game of Thrones nail. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, like anything else, uh, you can expect to see more in in that vein. And that's fine, you know, let the ones that are good succeed and the ones that suck, you know, they won't succeed. Uh, I think to Phil's point, like, if this does get made, it'll probably be good. Because the Tolkien estate is so, like has such a grip around it like there's a reason that the the video games i was referencing are called shadow of mordor not like lord of the rings like they're super protective about like how the ip is used right. who's using it so like if it does come out it probably will be good so we'll, we'll see. see uh so shifting over to marvel if you saw thor ragnarok uh, then when you were sitting in the theater watching trailers, you saw a trailer for Black Panther, you saw a trailer for New Mutants, you know, very cool stuff. And you were I, probably thinking, sorry? I didn't. I saw a trailer that spoiled Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> New Zealand is weird. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, but what you were hoping for, most likely, was a trailer for Avengers Infinity War. But you didn't get that. And the Russos bum, bum. have an answer for 
all the people who have been writing them and tweeting at them wanting to know where their Infinity War trailer is. And <laughs> I like how you uh, fra- I like how you phrased it that way. They want to know where their Infinity War trailer is. Well, uh, that's, you know, fan entitlement. We've talked about that many times on this show. <laughs> and uh, the Russo brothers released a very tongue-in-cheek video on Instagram. And it's it's got the caption, Regarding your demands for the release of an Infinity War trailer. And in lieu of that, they watched me drink Paso Robles wine. Smashed from the finest grapes. Oh, Orson Welles is on the show, everybody. Welcome, Orson. (laughs) Thank you. I never thought I'd be on a show talking about children's books. Well, (laughs) bye, Orson. Thanks. Thanks, Orson. This is not my environment. Bye. Ejected. So so it's it's a troll video, basically, of Orson Welles. I'm not exactly sure if it's a, if it's promoting something or what it's supposed to be about. Oh, it's, a, a, it was a, it's a wine commercial. Yeah, it was a, it was a commercial for that wine right. that was on in like the seventies. Yeah. Uh, and in it, Orson Welles says, "No wine before its time," and that is the, so fucking good. The messaging is extremely clear. Uh, they're not ready <laughs> to give us the trailer. Uh, you know, there's timeline reasons for that. I'm sure there's tonal reasons for that. We forget Infinity War is a massive, massive movie, and there's a lot that goes into that. And we did see the the you know uh, San Diego Comic Con trailer, and that was cool. But I guess they feel like that's not that doesn't have mass appeal. So we'll see. My question is, when do we get this trailer? Oh, you're such an entitled fan, Sean. Oh yeah, never. I don't think they release a trailer, and I think they cancel the movie. <laughs> oh, that'd be rad. Could you imagine? <laughs> well, well, actually, Phil, you bring up a good point. What if they never release the trailer? Yeah, How would we, you feel? that would be that would be fucking insane. But if any movie could do it, it would be this yeah. billboard campaign. That's it. I feel yeah. I feel like at this point, I don't. We're going old media. I don't even know if Star Wars could get away with it at this point, but, like, Avengers could. Yeah. I I, I do think so. But, I don't know. We'll get one, I think. I think we'll get one with Black Panther. Ah, oh, man. Uh, so, that's, that's or maybe of, before Star that's Wars? That's February. Yeah, I would say Star Wars. I would say with Star Wars because... I Look, I understand they are promoting two movies right now. They're promoting Thor, and they're promoting Black Panther. This week, Thor released here, but it released last week uh, elsewhere. And this whole week, there's been a lot more talk about Infinity War. We, they talked about how it's going to be a heist film with you know Thanos really sort of chasing the, the Infinity Stones and things like that. So they're opening the floodgates a little more now that Thor's out. Uh, and I'm sure in an ideal world... Now they would put the focus squarely on Black Panther. But the reality is that people want to know about Infinity War, and they cannot contain themselves. So I feel like, with that in mind, the trailer does drop with Star Wars. I have the answer. Go ahead. Okay, did anyone else see that trailer for that new Owen Wilson movie called Wonder? The kid <laughs> from Room? 
Um, it's gonna drop for that film. Oh yeah, guys, <laughs> that's the real one Ow- here. What if Owen Wilson is Thanos? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! wow. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so, wow! <laughs> so, uh, New Warriors is a show that we've talked about that's in development over at Freeform, except it's no longer in development at Freeform. They've they've shot a pilot. Uh, and apparently it went over so well that Disney does not want to put it on Freeform because Freeform <laughs> is not a big enough platform for a show this good. Because fuck Freeform, basically. <laughs> I get it. Oh, wait, the show's actually good? Maybe we should let people watch it. Right. It's, so a, shame, problem, it's a shame Cloak and Dagger won't work that way. You're right. <laughs> the, the problem is... Where do you put the show, right? Because they they could put it on Netflix, but they just took all their stuff off Netflix, or they're in the process of taking their stuff off Netflix because they've got they're launching their own streaming service in 2019. But they can't wait until 2019 to drop this show. So, do they put it on Netflix and then move it over later? Do they put it on ABC? There's so many questions about where to put this show, and I guess. They're not entirely sure what they want to do and how they want to use this show that's apparently so good. TLC. Uh, sorry? Good call. <laughs> TLC. The learning channel. TLC? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you can learn who all these characters are. <laughs> who the fuck Put it are on you? After Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> I'll have you know, Honey Boo Boo's been off the air for years, and there's been a Honey Boo Boo-shaped void in my heart ever since. <laughs> God, that's a huge void. Oh, you're talking about a little girl. (laughs) That's actually fair. (laughs) I feel bad now. He's going to hell, (laughs) listeners. Uh, You didn't help. This is what reality TV does. It dehumanizes you. True. Uh, I say give uh, give New Warriors the inhuman slot. Like, fuck that show. Everybody knows that was garbage. Like, oh, you can't give them Friday nights. That's the death slot. Yeah, that's the death slot. I like ABC is like not. I don't know. I, I I don't feel like cable television is a great place for these shows. Put on C-SPAN. Put on Hulu, <laughs> man. You just you just like we've got we got Runaways coming on Hulu in in a few weeks. That's a good point. It's like the twenty first. That's a good point. Put it there. Netflix, baby. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, look, I, I I in an ideal world, all these shows are on Netflix. That's the only streaming service that I watch. Uh, I have Amazon through my girlfriend, but. I, I really like Netflix. Hmm. So are, are would, you going to get Hulu for Runaways? No. Did, I already really? told you guys I'm going to share my Hulu account with could, you all. It's could they be put fun. it on the WWE Network? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would watch it. New Warrior starring The Rock. <laughs> starring The Ultimate Warrior. Oh, shit. The, it's perfect. The Rock as Squirrel Girl. <laughs> I'd watch that show. Ooh. I'd watch that show. <laughs> I'd watch The Rock do anything. Yeah, I like it. Who who could Vince McMahon play, though? God damn it! Supervillain. Whoever it speed, is. Yeah, I was going to say Speedball. <laughs> Vince McMahon is Speedball. <laughs> He's on a Speedball. 
Dude's high as a guy. <laughs> He's the commissioner of the new Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, so the only thing that I really take away from this is, A, uh, Disney is really, really putting all their eggs in one basket with a streaming service. Yeah. Uh, which I'm not so sure that's a great move. We've talked about that in the past. You can hear our conversations about that on uh, prior episodes. But B, I'm really glad that this show is tracking so well. That's a that's a hugely yeah. positive thing. I think yeah, I think um, are dope. like uh, the Runaways trailer it that dropped this week. I think last week the official one. Um, yeah, I think like that. if it's if it's anything near that trailer that trailer looks good i mean runaways is supposed to be really it's supposed good. to be seminal like, all the yeah. advanced reviews have been really great and uh even some of you know some of our friends who are uh you know like reviewers and comics people like that are who saw it at comic-con were really into it so if it's if it's that good they should they should take that gamble and put new warriors on hulu alongside run runaways I think that's a very good move. God damn it, Speedball, you're a real draw. I'm going to give you the push of a lifetime. Your your Vince McMahon sounds alarmingly like your fucking Wilson Fisk impression. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they're that similar, though. I was going to say, it sounds a, a little bit like you, you your Owen Wilson got a cold. Wow. <laughs> 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 oh man! I think that's my so, favorite impression to do because all I have to do is go wow, wow. <laughs> so <laughs> Thor Ragnarok, you know, it's out, it's in the wild, and what? Yeah, I know, crazy. And uh, there's a huge Hulk presence in the film. Huge. Bruce Banner, Hulk presence, of course, in lieu of a solo film, which is not on the cards, um, and likely not in the cards for a very long time. So it's been two years since we have seen uh, the Hulk in Avengers: Age of Ultron, and apparently, Kevin Feige and Mark Ruffalo are working on well. Not working on it. It's kind of in motion now. A three movie arc for the Hulk that will substitute for a solo film. Oh no! And this is what Mark Ruffalo had to say to IGN when he spoke to them about the film. The rules don't apply anymore. That's what's so confounding to Banner and frightening. That's kind of the exciting progression of the Banner Hulk relationship moving forward. Um. The, uh, there's some spoilers here potentially so I'm just going to skip over the spoilers Kevin brought me in and he said what would you do if you could do a standalone Hulk movie I said I think it should be this 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 and this and it should end like this and he said he being Kevin Feige how about if we do that love that let's do that starting with Thor 3 and end in Avengers 4 and we'll use those three movies to basically do a standalone Hulk movie how about that I was like, that sounds great. So, Thor 3, Avengers 3, Avengers 4 is kind of a three-film Hulk arc that substitutes as, you know, what would be the character arc for a Hulk solo film. Aren't they kind of doing that with Spider-Man too? 
I mean, I think you kind of do that on some level with every character. Yeah. But with Spider-Man, you know, part of his story played out in his own movie. Whereas with Hulk, that's not possible. Yeah, I, I think the <clears throat> the thing that Phil's referencing is I remember them saying that there's an arc for Peter between Homecoming, his uh, appearance in the Avengers movies, and the second yeah, yeah, Spider-Man yeah. movie. But yeah, this is definitely a little different than that. Um, I mean, I think this seems like a good solution to the problem that they have, yeah, right? Yeah. They can't make a solo Hulk movie. People want more of the Hulk. Ruffalo wants to play the Hulk more. So, yeah, give him features in these other movies. And frankly, <clears throat> I think that the Hulk does well in an environment like that. I don't I don't I like the Hulk. I think that there's plenty of room for a, a good solo Hulk franchise. But if you can't do that, playing the character off of other characters works well for him. You know, I thought, uh, you know, obviously we'll talk more about it in, in the review, but I thought that his um, role in Ragnarok was great. You know, I liked I liked his usage quite a bit. So seeing a narrative that's a little bit, you know, more focused on him uh, in Avengers three and four sounds great. Yeah, I I echo those sentiments. I think that in lieu of a solo film, this is awesome. And I also kind of love the fact that Mark Ruffalo had direct input in what the character arc would be. That's really, really cool. And it's also really cool that it's playing out over the course of different films with different tones. So we got to see the Hulk in one way in Thor Ragnarok. He's going to appear in a different way in Avengers, but it's still the same story that they're kind of telling with this character. I think that's awesome. I think, yeah. I th- yeah, I agree. I think it'll be a really interesting way to, like, anchor the audience in the stuff that is kind of going on and you know it it seems like he'll kind of play as the 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 nick fury in like the original like phase one stuff where he was kind of he just kind of popped up in all of the movies and now banner's gonna kind of be that anchor and that you know that through line for the audience to kind of keep track of what's going on at least for the next three films Yeah. yeah 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 And then I wonder where they go with that. But we'll, you know, talk about that at a later point. Uh, So, Thor Ragnarok has a 93% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That is amazing. That's very cool. Now, what do you guys think the audience score is? 98. 96. What was that, Marco? I'd say 98. 96. Okay. Pete? Uh, I feel like a lot of times with the Marvel stuff, sometimes it, it skews lower. So I'm going to like... I'm going to say like 88. 89. Wow. <laughs> Fuck yeah! That's my number. Wow. I would have been right. Oh. If we could, if we um, could just inverse, if we could just inverse Phil, we'd have a good show. <laughs> what would inverse Phil be Savage. like? Be really muscly and fleshy. Be really gross. You know. It would. It would be like. It would be like Superman, Phil. That realization when you find out you're Bizarro. Me and no Phil. <laughs> uh, so 
there there's 236 fresh ratings for the film and 19 uh-huh. rotten ones which is that's incredible uh that i would say that's that's 255 reviews is a, you know a significant amount of reviews and i'm sure we'll get more as we go forward but for the movie to have this high of a rating at this juncture for a comic book movie this is unprecedented i thought i thought spider-man homecoming had like a 92 percent or something this is I don't have a news item for this, but this is the highest rated superhero film to date for Marvel or DC to this point. Okay. Okay. Really? Wonder Woman didn't didn't do that well? Well, so like early reviews for these films, like Wonder Woman, um, uh, Spider-Man. Oh, Spider-Man was at 98%, I remember, and then it got it's knocked down. Right. Yeah. But, right now. I just looked it up. But then when... Right, right. When the films come out, it shifts, and so right now, Thor okay. Ragnarok is you know it's doing amazing. Um, congrats, they they did a fantastic job, and in agreement with me is actually the writer of Planet Hulk, Greg Pak, who sent out some tweets regarding the film. I guess he just had an opportunity to see it, and he said, <clears throat> "Just got back from Thor Ragnarok screening, and I absolutely loved it." Huge, huge high five, Taika Waititi. Wow. wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he also said, total thrill seeing all those Planet Hulk elements and characters. Totally. Um, that's great. Yeah, I, I'm sure that must have been cool for him to see uh, Sakaar brought, brought to life. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we'll talk about that a little more because we're about to get into our review of Thor Ragnarok. Wow. So, spoiler oh boy. F- spoiler free section comes first if you haven't seen the movie or you or you have whatever, definitely feel free to stick with this and then if you haven't seen it, jump off uh, so that you don't get spoiled unless you don't care, in which case definitely do stick around. All right. So here we go. We're talking Thor Ragnarok here. Uh, we're gonna get. <laughs> Again, we're gonna start with our spoiler, our non-spoiler impressions of this movie. So let's just kick it off. What did you guys think about Thor Ragnarok? Now, Kale, you saw it first. Yeah. You gave some of your impressions last week, but now that the cat's out of the bag, why don't you set us off with your I, spoiler-free thoughts? Spoiler-free. I'm gonna say. Basically the same thing I said last week. Um, I, 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 I had a really, really good time with the film. Um, I think that a lot of, uh, I think that a, a lot of people will and already have. Um, but I think that if you if you have a problem with like the stuff that Marvel does, you might have a problem with this movie. And, like, I can sort of see that criticism in Thor Ragnarok. Um, for me, a lot – I I didn't and, – and I think I said this to you guys last week. Go in expecting an action comedy, right? I didn't go in quite knowing that. Uh, so that – not that it – you know, not that my, my view – was super skewed by it but there was a lot of humor for me that didn't quite land because it didn't quite feel appropriate for what i expected from you know i knew it was going to be different 
but I didn't know it was going to be so different, you know, uh, from from the previous Thor movies. I mean, uh, so it, for me, like, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I had a really good time, um, but I can see the criticism, and uh, Korg is my favorite character. Uh, Phil, what did you think of the movie? I really didn't like it. Liar. I really didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't think it was very good. I thought it was actually pretty bad. Yeah, wow. not surprised. Um, I, I, I kind of figured that I, because you're you're a huge fan of the Guardians of the Galaxy films, uh, so my initial impression would be that you would either really like this because it sort of got the Guardians, what I have been calling the Guardians treatment. Uh, but I also, I was like, I don't know. Okay, so I thought the jokes were bad. They were, they were quick and dumb jokes. They weren't fun. I, I barely laughed. Like, this is a movie that had a lot of comedic moments, and I barely laughed. I, I thought they were all forced, and it, it just weren't funny, you know? Um, the action, <clears throat> it was because of the really out of place crappy comedy where it's like oh look how this seems so ad-libbed it softened the stakes of the film so that when shit went down it didn't like serious things that happened didn't feel dwelled on because everything felt like a joke and consequences didn't feel as big as they really were um that said, I mean, there are things I like about the movie. I like the action. Um, I think the fight scenes are well choreographed. Um, you see this in the trailer, but when Thor is covered in electricity, it's fucking badass. Um, and then everything with Jeff Goldblum is fucking gold because he's amazing. So, like, all the ad-lib shit that didn't... All, all the ad-lib-seeming shit that all the other characters did that sucked, when Jeff Goldblum did it, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. But point is, I was really, I was really disappointed by the film. I went into it in a really good mood. Um, I just ate a bunch of pizza. Uh, I was, I was, I was ready for, I was ready to have a good time. And I was like, I was like very. The first third of the movie, I thought was terrible. That's how that's how Jess felt too. She said she hated the first like fifteen minutes of the movie. The last third was pretty good. Middle third was pretty good. I don't think this is better than the first Thor movie. Wow. Interesting. It's better than Pete. Thor The Dark World, I'll say that, but I don't think it's better than the original. That, that's crazy to me. That movie's just so boring. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that Phil felt that way. Like, I didn't, I didn't say that when I came out of the movie because I didn't want to, like, <clears throat> give you anything to go into mm-hmm. it, but my immediate impression was Phil won't like this movie because... What it is is it's a it's a good movie in the Marvel style, and Phil doesn't like the Marvel style. Like he, so like I'm not surprised that you didn't like it. You know, um, it's fun and shallow, shallow. and like that's that's yeah. like that's that's what the movie is. And like, but I, I don't think that's to its detriment. Like it was, um, I said in like my you know social media review of it that like it was the most fun that I had at the movies this year. And, like, that's how I felt about it. You know, it's like it was – it 
like the stakes are high, I guess, because of what Ragnarok actually is, but the film is low stakes. And like that feels right about that. Um so it's like if you're if you enjoy like um high energy sci-fi superhero romp, like if that sounds like a fun thing to watch Thor and Hulk do, you'll have a good time with this movie. If you don't like the Marvel House style and you're like a big fan of like Planet Hulk and you want to see like a heady, dry sci-fi movie, like you're not going to get that. You know, and I think you if you go in with the proper expectations um, that this is an action comedy and um, and, you know, you you are a fan of, of these movies, I think you'll enjoy it. I, th- I think you'll probably see what the vast majority of people saw in it. How about you, Sean? But if you... Sorry, I keep interrupting, thinking you're done. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I, you know, if, if you don't have... If you have something against these movies, this isn't going to change your mind. It wasn't groundbreaking in any way. Yeah, yeah. So I... I Man, I really liked it. Uh, I had a blast with this one. I went into it knowing exactly what to expect... Uh, that uh-huh. it was going to be very funny, very comedic, and that was something that I had a problem with in Guardians 2, and I was worried that I would have a problem with it here. Um, and certainly there were there were moments where I thought it became an issue, but overall, uh, for me, the comedy landed big time, uh, and that was impacted by the fact that the audience that I was with also really, really... Um, liked it and and was laughing the whole time. Yeah, um, same here. I think that uh, this movie had so many characters, and each one of them. I mean, I fell in love with a lot of different characters throughout this film. Uh, Grandmaster Valkyrie, I what a great addition! They yeah. need to keep her around, uh, and we'll talk about her more later. But <laughs> yeah, she's the first Asgardian that I've given a shit about. That isn't Thor or Loki. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, you know, all these characters that really got treated well and they had full arcs that were enjoyable to watch. Um, I thought the action was really, really good. Uh, Hela gets some incredible uh, action sequences. and S- Some hella good action sequences. Gross. You're welcome. Uh, i love it i don't know i don't know i understand that it's not a movie for everybody and there was a time in my life where it definitely would not have been a movie for me but there was a lot of good here (laughs) it changes a lot of things that come from the comics and you guys know me to be a comic book purist in a lot of senses but i again when it comes to these marvel movies I know what I'm going to get when I come into it. I threw that out the window, and because of that, it didn't impact my experience. Uh, this movie strikes a great balance between being a Marvel movie, bucking convention in ways that I'm really glad that they did, and providing you with an enjoyable experience that can stick with you, um, but also just something to have a good time with. And so for that reason, I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think this is easily the strongest of the Thor movies, for sure. I think, yeah, I think, and and I've said this before. I think that this like kind of shallow comedy-driven film is what Thor really needed. Yeah, I, I agree, and uh, I, I think 
really my my one real issue with the film is uh it's funny because I agree with what you're saying, Sean, about how like I I didn't have a problem with how the movie um chose to handle like, you know, how it chose to diverge, right? Was fine. But I am disappointed that like specifically Planet Hulk got used in this scenario because like i think some of the things that they pulled from planet hulk like landed well and some of them i felt were just kind of like ah this it it sucks that this thing that is a a a, a, an element of that story or a character that i really liked that i felt got kind of you know just became an easter egg bit you know instead of um what they really were and that's that's disappointing but it's just not what they were trying to do. And, you know, like, if you can accept that, I think you'll have something to enjoy here. Yeah. And we'll we'll talk more about that a little later. I want to wrap up the spoiler section with our scores. Uh, so we'll leave everyone who... Are we doing that now? We score things? Yeah. <laughs> um, so where do you get... Where does this fall for you as far as, you know, a score? You know, What's the scale? A, on, a, on a 10 scale. Okay. For me, it's about uh, the the audience score uh, on Rotten Tomatoes is about right. Uh, about an eighty eight for me, like a, a solid B plus. Eight point eight dead meeks out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> wow! I can't believe that took so long. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I'm gonna give it a four out of ten. Wow, Ooh. that's savage. I, didn't, I thought it was pretty bad. I, be man, a fun I, I can't believe you liked Guardians 2 more than this. More heart. Whoa, I wholly disagree. Have heart, Save man. it, boys. Pete? Uh, I'd say I'd probably fall in line with Kale. I'd say, like, probably, like, uh, if we're doing it, like, on a hard point scale, I think I would give it an 8. But if we're talking, like, percentages, um, I would give it, like, an 8.9 um, or maybe, like, a you know. Yeah, that, that feels right. 8.9. Yeah. I am probably a softer critic when it comes to these kind of things. Um. I really just want to give it a nine. I I mean I I had fun and uh, I thought it was very enjoyable. Maybe if I see it again, it'll be different because I'll have already laughed at the jokes, you know, once, and then maybe they're not as funny the second time around. But I don't know that that's I don't know that that's what my responsibility is in critiquing a film. If the, no, if, not at all. If my responsibility, like, yeah, if you came out of it high. Yeah, if my responsibility came out of it is how did I feel about it when I saw it, nine. So. Yeah. All right. That's legit. So we're going to jump into the spoiler section. So, again, if you haven't seen the movie, now is probably a good time to jump off unless you don't care, in which case, cool. Um, Marco, do you want to jump? All right. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's just, just dive right into it, guys. Um, we are now in the spoiler section and I want to start by, 
addressing the plot of the movie and all that jazz. So paid the pacing, the way it was executed, the comedy, that stuff. What did you? How did you guys feel about the plot and, and everything that this movie was trying to do? I think why this movie works and the other Thor movies haven't for me is that the first Thor movie is a lot of info dumping and then Thor, you know, kisses Natalie Portman and fights a robot and goes home. And the second movie is a train wreck for a a number of reasons that aren't worth getting into. I think what I like about this movie is that it has the understanding that you have enough of an understanding about Thor and the Asgardians and, you know, his place in the broader Marvel universe that it, it just tells you a story. Like, it didn't go out of its way to, like, over-explain Ragnarok. Like, I didn't feel like there was too much focus on, like, the, you know, nitty-gritty of, like, what's happening. It's more just like, it's a prophecy. Here's what's going on. Let's – magic, right? Okay, cool. Let's move forward. And I think that really serviced the plot well. Like, the fact that we pick up with the movie and it's kind of, like, already – like, it's already started. You know, like, Ragnarok's already going in the first scene, basically – um, is is great for me. We start right in the thick of it, and uh, it it allows the movie, I think, some room to breathe because it does kind of have a decent amount of ground to cover. I would say that's probably my biggest issue. Is like I think pacing wise, in terms of enjoying a movie, um, it was great. In terms of like how much of the time of the narrative is spent, like on what, I feel like it's very middle heavy. And the ending feels like it's kind of a little bit just like trying to wrap up, okay? You know, and like it, I don't feel that it, um, it didn't hit like the worst vibes of this is the third act big superhero fight, but that's what it was. Yeah. It was just a well executed one, so I didn't mind. And maybe that's the right way to handle these movies, you know? Like that's kind of what Doctor Strange did. So I, I just feel like. I remember by the time we got to the ending of the movie, I was kind of just like, oh, like, it's already over? Okay. Great. See, yeah, I, for me, my my feelings were close to the same, but also uh, probably closer to, I bet, how Phil felt. Uh, by the end of the movie, I was I was pretty ready for it to be done. Uh, I think you're right that it's, it's very middle-heavy. It feels a lot – to me, it feels a lot more like a Planet Hulk story but with Thor as the protagonist over Hulk. Um, and then Ragnarok is just kind of the side plot, which is weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's exactly how I feel too. Um, for me, I, I, uh, I, I really appreciated the opening scene. Um, it, was, it was really, really cool to get to, to see – uh, Thor actually just in action just no holds bar just Thor being Thor um, we I think it borrowed a lot from the Guardians you know Star-Lord opening but again I think that's okay I think that that was something Thor needed uh, but at the same time uh, like you know when he drops from the chain and then he he's talking to Surtur and he kind of starts turning Man, that was funny once. That was terrible. Like this, like this, like the second and third time that happened. It just like, like, okay, is this 
really what we're going for here? I don't know. I got a kick out of it the second time. I, I definitely think the gag over Sadist Welcome, but like, I don't know. I kind of like the idea <laughs> I, of like undercutting the grim darkness of it, you know? Like, I think I think if you think it overstayed its welcome, then you probably didn't enjoy it the way you think you did. Like the f- the fr- <laughs> the first time was funny. The second time it was like, okay, you're just kind of being an asshole now. Like, I uh, yeah, I'm inclined to if we're just talking about that one gag, I'm inclined to agree in the sense that it gave me Guardians two vibes, where it's like, yeah. can we can we move on? You know. Uh, and it also it 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 made Searcher look bad because Thor didn't seem to really be scared of him. And if Thor doesn't isn't worried, why should I be worried uh, for Thor? Which is the point of villains, you know? Well, and it's never well, and but I mean, at the beginning of the movie, I uh, the thing the thing about yeah, it, yeah, like that's the opening scene. But also right. the the but thing about it is it. It made Thor look cockier than I think he should be at this point. Because, like, the whole reason he was sent to Earth was to... Learn humility. Learn humility. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and, like, we're to assume he did. And we see that through the other ones. But it, in that moment, it felt like there was a lot of arrogance. And it was... It was I, I, I don't necessarily think it was a bad thing. But it it didn't come off the way that gag particularly played out came off more arrogant than I think it should have. Phil? I don't know. I feel like that's how the character's portrayed. Like he's supposed to be on Earth to learn humility, but I don't necessarily know that we've seen a storyline where it was like, oh yep. That he's was the first now. movie. The end of the movie is him learning humility. He he denounces the throne, which is what he wanted in the beginning of the first Thor movie. To save humanity, to be humanity's protector on yeah, Midgard. Right. That's the whole story arc. That's the character arc. Yeah, but it's not. I don't know. Like it's done in such a like quick flash in the pan kind of way. It's like I spent like an afternoon here and I've learned how to live among the people. And it's like I I don't know, dude. Like I feel like you're looking back on that movie with rose colored glasses. You guys are both correct because what Phil's saying is true. But I don't think that for that to be true, he has to be some Zen master. Like he he's he's cocky and brash, but he's smart and wise too. You know, those are both parts of his personality. And that's and that's that's what I mean specifically by you know, okay, one one turn on the chain is good. That's that's a that's a good gag. The second time is just like ah, fucking. Are you doing this on purpose? Like, what? Come on. The question is the pacing and everything. And the, the thing is, um, the gags were really distracting to me. Because, like, for instance, when when the Valkyrie just fell off the ramp in the beginning of the movie, I was, like, I was just like, what the fuck? Like, it's there's all this, like, it's like, isn't it funny? So random, XD. All this like, that's what it was. Oh my god, Phil, that's that's not what it was. That's mid credits uh, outtakes, and it's like that's. It was just like I was getting really irritated because it it took me out of the movie every time. Oh my god, 
I mean, like it's it's fun if it took you out of the movie, but some of the like you get very projecty when you talk about these movies, dude. That's a trope in like westerns of like, oh, the person showing up for the first time and they're drunk and they fall over. Like that's not like a fucking internet XD random LOL meme joke. It's just that's just the it's a dumb visual gag. Like if it didn't land for you, that's fine. But like, <laughs> that's, man, that's dude, just an example. You get so accusatory to that, about to, the humor. To Phil's point, the uh the. The the part where Banner jumps out of the the spaceship, <laughs> yeah. that to me that and he hit the crap like that was funny no, guys like, that was that that took me out of the that's movie my point. Like, that like, was, it was insane a, all the jokes were really really weak like they weren't funny and just kept taking me out of the movie pacing wise um I really hated the pacing of the movie like the first third. It's him bouncing around everywhere. It's like, oh, this plot point, this plot point, this plot point. Doctor Strange, this plot point, this plot point. Now, it's literally a straight line. <laughs> and it doesn't let anything sit at all. Like, Odin dies in a most, like, ridiculously anticlimactic way possible. And that's also a disservice <laughs> to uh, Anthony Hopkins, who hasn't been good in these movies, in my opinion. Um, oh, what do you like wow. him in these movies? Yeah, I I like him as this, an actor a lot. This one, this one, I think underserves him. But yeah, I I think he's great as Odin. I always feel like he just mails it in, but that's that's my opinion. I mean, it's a superhero movie. He probably does, but like, yeah, um, like it almost felt like three different movies. Um, in terms of how it was paced hmm. and the way the act structure took place, um. Yeah, man, this movie was a mess. So, what did land for you then, Phil? Uh, definitely Jeff Goldblum. Everything he did was fucking spectacular. Right. Um, <laughs> Phil fucking virtue signaling over even, here. Even, even the post credit <laughs> scene with him where it's like, uh, 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 a gr- great job uh, with the revolution. Uh, I did my part. Uh, uh, every revolution needs. You can't have a revolution without someone to rebel against. <laughs> I think we all we all just uh, we all just did a great job. Let's uh, pat ourselves on the back. Um, he, he was spectacular. Um, how uh, how did you feel about all the Kirby Im- imagery? Like, uh, was that? No, I thought it was pretty cool. Actually, I wish there was more of that. Actually, um, it's funny. You wish there was more. Yeah. That was a whole damn movie. Well, I didn't think the whole movie was like <laughs> I thought there were like parts where like it looked Kirby-esque, and then other times it just you know, it'll take like a Thor movie. But carry on. Um, the one the one thing is it's funny because we just reread Planet Hulk and we just read Avengers Disassembled uh, Thor or whatever. Yeah. And both those books, after reading them and then seeing this movie, I was like, boy, those books were a lot better than this movie. Um, because wow. it had all the elements wow. from those books that were good, like all those all those things in those books that were like it it, it was like um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was it was a watered down version of all the things that are good about Planet Hulk and the watered down things that are good about the things in Thor Ragnarok as a concept. Because like instead of having Fenrir spread his jaws and devouring the Earth and the heavens, he gets punched by the Hulk into a waterfall. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a dumb fucking movie okay uh so i i think that 
pacing wise, I really like the way they kind of. I really like the way the movie flowed. Um, I I guess I don't know. I guess I'm in the minority, but I thought that the first half or first third, I guess, was really enjoyable. Um, I'm with you there too. I I like any time that you get to see characters on an adventure that is not necessarily central to the movie. I always like that. Like the fact that he engaged in battle with Surtur and the Midgard Serpent in like the first portion of the movie and it was just for fun. I mean, it, it mattered, but it wasn't like, I, I don't know. What I'm trying to say is I liked that. That I liked that that happened. I enjoyed that. Um, and then I really loved that Loki and, and Odin and that whole thing played out so early. The trailers gave me the impression that that would take place a little later, that the first time he engaged with Loki would be on Sakaar. Um, when he's chained up and he says, surprise, I always thought that was the first time they would interact. To see that it took place so early in the movie was a, a nice surprise. And that we got Doctor Strange. I love the cameos. I really, really do. Um, how uh, how do you feel about the Matt Damon cameo? That was one that of was the best hilarious. scenes in the movie. That hot, hot <laughs> That, Matt that was cameo. so really? funny. I did not yeah. like that and, scene. And then the other one was I, the, the, Chris Hemsworth's brother. The concept of the scene I liked, but... Really? Uh, yeah, not Liam, the other one. As Thor? Yeah. Huh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I can't remember which one, but it's, uh, it was one of his brothers that played uh, the actor Thor. Yeah. I I really loved that actual scene, because it was sort of a summation of Thor 2. Mm. Uh, but it also acted as like, this movie is not like that movie. So mm. get that out of your yeah. head now. Yeah. I, I don't know. Also, I I, I thought that um, that that's a very like Thor and Loki conflict, right? Like he comes home, Loki has this entire like scheme of how to like figure out when he's coming home so he can continue the charade as long as possible, and it just gets you know it takes until the fucking. Mjolnir's about to hit him in the face before he finally gives up. It's like a very like I like when they have the kind of um, sibling like back and forth like that. Another joke that really landed really well is when they're going up the elevator in a hangar (laughs) and Thor's like, hey, can we do this uh, thing that we used to do when we were kids? And Loki's like, no, it's humiliating. He's like, we're going to do it. (laughs) My brother's dead! He just throws him like a (laughs) rat. That that was such a good bit. Yeah, I love that. that I will say I will say that the the cliffhanger of Thor 2 being that Loki was impersonating Odin that was something that I was really looking forward to see pay off. And yeah, they marginalized the shit even out though, of it. Sorry? They marginalized the shit out of it. Right. Even though I like what happened here in the sense that it was funny and not overblown in the scope of this movie for what this movie was, I yeah. felt like that was something that could have been really epic and it wasn't. Well, that's, that's the point. Of um, like Thor mentions like, oh, all the nine realms are in disarray and everyone's like winding up their armies and shit to like storm Asgard. And that's like the whole thing with this movie. It's like large implications that are really serious and bad. Ha <laughs> She fell off a ramp. Yeah. Um, Bill, it's like that. Uh, whatever. Whatever. I. <laughs> I don't know. 
Uh, I, it's just it's frustrating because like you liked Guardians too, and it's the same fucking thing. The entire universe is gonna be destroyed, and all life's gonna be wiped out. But whoa, baby, grew kid hit the bomb. It's like it's the same thing. It's the same fucking thing. No, you're right. I mean, the the stakes are definitely problematic in in Guardians too. But the main difference is that movie had like a heart and a pulse with the relationship between uh, Kurt Russell and Chris Pratt. Like that was earned from the first movie. I felt like. And the jokes were funnier. <laughs> okay, let's let's uh, let's pivot a little bit. And I mean, we kind of we've kind of talked about Thor, uh, but I think there's more to mind there. So let's talk a little bit about Thor and his, you know, big arc in this movie. Man, Chris Hemsworth looks great with short hair, like. He gets that haircut, and it's a hundred percent improvement. Apparently I think that was his idea. I bet. Oh, I don't know, dude. I uh, <laughs> I don't know. I definitely like. I liked. I like especially when they're in New York and like their plain clothes, and he has like the fucking yeah. man ponytail. I was like, dude, he like he looks fucking cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think he he works with either haircut. He's fucking sexy as shit. That's a pull quote for that movie. <laughs> Dude, that scene, that scene where like they show him with like, his shirt off fuck. and it like they Dude, it's just so funny cuz like they do that to him in every movie where it's just like, guys, we just want to show you how, like he has a 16 pack. Like so like you could grate cheese on this guy's abs. Like just look at him. And it's like uh I love how it's like this long ass shot, and then he turns around. It's like, okay, here's my back muscles. Okay, here's my front again. All right, I found a shirt. <laughs> it's so funny, and it's like they're so transparent about it. But like, whatever. Like, good. So, I I thought that they took Thor on a really cool journey for this film, but yeah, it it gets very very lost in the shuffle in the middle. Uh, I think it it begins at the beginning of the movie, uh, and then it ends at the end. But the middle is just not about that at all. And uh, that, if I'm calling things out that I didn't like, that was certainly a problem that I had. Um, in that he kind of gets trapped in a weird holding pattern of you know jokes and Hulk and Grandmaster and this and that. Um, but I feel like the end really does pay it off because. If you do look at this as a trilogy, uh, the first movie he decides he doesn't want to be king. Um, the second movie, you know, he's all about Earth and about like helping with the problems that they're having and feeling confident that Odin has it held down, uh, not realizing what Loki has done. And now finally he is the king of Asgard, but he's learned so much, you know, about himself and about what it takes to be the king of Asgard, what Asgard actually is, that it's the people, not the place. All that's fantastic, but it, the real learning takes place in like the last 20 minutes and I wish it, that had been you know, a longer journey. Like I said, three yeah, I, I, I think I, I think that's ultimately the problem with movies like this. Yeah, it's like uh, you're right because like I, that is a it's like a classic hero's journey, right? Of like, oh, like the hero's here and there's a problem he needs to fix and he has to go on a journey and learn and grow from the journey to come return home and fix the problem, right? And like, that's what Thor does, but the journey doesn't feel super connected to the revelation that he has about 
Asgard and his role in being king and like the stuff he does <clears throat> on Sakaar feels like a roadblock to that, not the thing that informs that growth. And I think that's like the primary problem. To be this. honest, it, it feels like they just really, really wanted to include Sakaar. And yeah. they were going yeah. to do it no yeah. matter what. And I mean, look, the, I, I reviewed it highly. I liked the movie. It was funny and everything like that. And there were a lot of great moments on Sakaar. But you could cut that and make this movie. Yeah, for sure. And you can make it different Better. and make it more more uh, uh, cohesive, I guess. Yeah. Well, well, and more, I mean, and this is a dumb thing to say about a Thor movie, but more Thor-centric. You yeah, know, for sure. All this, like, I mean, honestly. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, for real, the Sakaar and the Hulk stuff. It really it it drew away from Thor and and from the impact of Ragnarok. I honestly think Ragnarok's what they should have cut. Like, unless they unless they think that Ragnarok is like a significant part of their end game for how they want to treat the Asgardians moving forward. I feel like having Thor as, like, the quote-unquote main character of, like, a Planet Hulk story with him and Hulk as, like, a team would have been appropriate of them, like, going and overthrowing the Grandmaster and leading a revolution, that kind of thing. Like, I feel like that story is, like, they if they want to focus on Sakaar, that story is already there. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think you're right that it feels like they just wanted to feature the Planet Hulk stuff and have... Hulk and Thor be gladiators and be on the alien and all that stuff. And it's like, great, but it does feel like two stories that are unrelated and kind of sewn together. Like, it, it almost feels like a, like a crossover yeah, in a comic, right? Like, this is the real story that's going on in Thor right now, but, oh, here's a six-issue mini where he's going to go team up with Hulk and have to escape and come back to the real problem he's what? dealing with. And I feel like if you had focused on that narrative more... There was stuff to do like there. Like I said, I felt like they took the things from Planet Hulk and the Ragnarok story and just watered it down in this movie, and it just felt slapped together. So, to that point, I agree. Let's let's talk about Hulk, because Hulk goes through some big changes in this movie. Obviously, we haven't seen him for two years. We come into this movie, he's a gladiator, the most successful gladiator that they've ever had. They've got uh, his face on this big statue that also includes Beta Ray Bill, which was super cool, uh, Man-Thing, and Ares, and Bio-Beast, who was a character that most people won't know. Um, But Hulk now talks, and he can speak in full sentences. They're Hulk sentences, but... um, and, And we learn that he hasn't been Bruce in two entire years. That's a huge plot point. That obviously we talked about that three movie arc that they're working with. That, that that's where that whole deal starts. So how did you guys feel about Hulk in this movie and where they took the character and Bruce Banner for that matter? It didn't do that much for me. Uh, I like Mark Ruffalo a lot. I was a lot more excited to see Mark Ruffalo than I was uh, the Hulk and the Hulk's interaction. Uh, it the fight scene was cool. Uh, the Hulk didn't do that much for me. Same, he felt shoehorned, and every scene with Mark Ruffalo it was like extra neurotic. And I get it; he you know hasn't been Mark Ruffalo in two years, right? Because of the Hulk, but 
like those interactions with the Valkyrie where he's like, hey, don't, don't I know you from somewhere? It just felt like more ad-lib distracting dialogue, which this movie is filled with, and they just kept taking me out of it. And really, the, the, only, like, the only scene that I was like, oh, this is a cool Hulk scene was when he fought Thor in the Coliseum because I felt, you know, felt comic-y. And uh, everyone wanted, I, I think everyone wanted a prolonged Thor and Hulk fight since the first Avengers movie where they had like a brief exchange. Um, other than that, like he just felt shoehorned in the movie. Uh, I think I agree only in the sense that I feel like Sakaar itself didn't need to be here. So in that regard, I agree. But in the sense that, you know, the movie has Sakaar and that just is what it is. Uh, I think he fit well with what was happening. Um, yeah, and, oh, I don't disagree with that, yeah. You know, even regardless of that, I just really was happy to see the character again. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I, I think you're I think you're right. But that, for me, I still just, I still liked it despite knowing what you said. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Sean. It's, I think that it was a good use of the character. I, I like the Hulk, you know? Um, but I think, like I said before, I think... They're, they obviously have, like, realistic business challenges as to why doing a solo Hulk franchise doesn't work. And I also think in general that the Hulk works really well in an ensemble. You know, that's those are always my favorite Hulk stories is when he's playing off of other people, you know? Hey, um, hey, what you said earlier, I think you're right. I think if this was an entire Sakaar movie, I think it probably would have been a lot better. I, yeah, I, I agree. Like I, I well, obviously that was my point. But um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel as though if Thor had been the character of like, like, even if fucking something like Ragnarok is what sets it off, right? Like something happens. Thor is forced here where he meets up with Hulk and they go and fight this civil war and free all these people. That would be, I think, a better narrative for what they were trying for like what they seems like they wanted to focus on in the movie. And I it would have given us more time with Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Like there's a lot of arguments as to why I think that would have been a better path forward. Ooh. That being said, I I don't feel like Hulk is out of place. Um just because to me all the best parts of the movie are the stuff that's Thor and Hulk. You know? Their fight is awesome. I love that scene of them in his uh bedroom, whatever, cage gym shit that he lives <laughs> in. Man cave. Yeah, like, that whole exchange between them, you know, I I really liked. Like, I like, to Sean's point, getting to have somebody have an actual conversation with the Hulk. You know, and, like, how frustrating that would be. Um, I thought that that whole, that played really well, and I liked their dynamic because I thought it was a good, it was a, a representation of how I always think of the Hulk. You know, and that, like, Hulk's not written super consistently. He's been written a million different ways by a million different people. But I always like the Hulk stories where Hulk is presented as, like, a Frankenstein figure. In that, like, you know, he's frustrated by how angry he is all the time. And, like, ultimately he just wants to be liked. You know? And that he doesn't want everyone to hate him. And I got that sense from his interactions with Thor. And I thought there was, like, there was, like, a real, like, tender human moment between them that, like, worked for me. You know what scene I really hated in the man Jim Cave thing? Is when Thor puts the Valkyrie kind of in her place with like saying like, "Oh, you run away and drink yourself to death and shit," 
It throws a ball through the window and it hits him in the head and just completely undermines everything he just said. And there's more distracting shit. <laughs> Fuck, this movie was frustrating. I don't know. For me, that was a it was a really solid moment, and they needed to cut it off. And I, I, that one worked for me. Let's talk about Hella, the uh, the main baddie. She was hella good. She was so like, what? What's the actress's name again? Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett, dude, she was so scary. Like they did such a good job with just her look. You know, like she just had this like very, like intense like early two thousands industrial goth band like look, and I was like all about it. it. Was like she just looks like she's like she looks like the goddess of death for sure. It's Kate Blanchett as Evanescence. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Hella was uh, maybe my favorite part about the movie. Her and Valkyrie. Uh, I like what story they told with Hella. I think she's one of the better MCU villains. Uh, it's obvious that they tried with this one to flesh her out, uh, but still not make it be a villain movie. Um what a lot of people don't understand about the Marvel Universe is that they're deliberately trying to not do what the Dark Knight did, which was make a movie in which the main character, the superhero, is not the main character. They don't want to overshadow the hero. And so the villain is often marginalized as a result. There is not any, there's never going to be a 50-50 movie. They're just not going to do it. And so with that in mind, which is how I look at these movies now, I look at Hell and I go, wow, okay. They made her a part of the family, so that Im- that immediately creates some some friction and some tension, and makes you care. Uh, you know, Odin did her dirty. Uh, she's you know evil because she just wants to kill, kill, kill. But he doesn't want that anymore, so he locks her away. Like all that stuff's cool. She's an absolute badass. Uh, I- that scene where she like murders the whole army. Like, that was yeah, fucking cool. crazy. Yeah. But she was just, like, leaning and shooting all these knives everywhere. I was like, that was that was really well choreographed. And and what's kind of cool about it, and this doesn't really get said, but she's her father's daughter. And Thor mm-hmm. is his father's son. They're the products of Odin at two different stages of his life. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's very, very cool. Um, and, and I, But I at the same time... I think that that speaks to Phil's point in the sense that if that had been more of a central focus, the movie would have had more of an emotional pulse. Whereas they they almost deliberately don't go into stuff like that. Thor doesn't care that this is his sister at all. He's not into that. That's not that's not that doesn't matter. It matters to me as a viewer, but they don't. It's not because they make it so. To me, it bothers me more that because like. Frankly, I don't think he should care that it's his sister. Like, she's clearly a fucking monster that needs to be taken out. To me, the issue that I'm more upset with is that, like, they don't ever explore the implication that, like, he is now put in the same position as Loki and that, like, his life has been a lie and his father lied to him, too. You know, and like Loki yep. points that out to him, and I think it softens yes. the friction between the two of them, um, but it, it doesn't get explored as much as it could or should. And that's the issue, right? Is that like there's two really good plots laid out here and neither of them get fully explored. Mm. So, yeah. Her, 
Good, Kel. Uh, just just to kind of tack onto that, and I, I'm not going to belabor this point because uh, we've sort of talked, we've sort of said a lot, but her her story felt very uh, Greek mythology. Yes, you know, I thought that like. Too. I, I don't know. I don't know a lot about like the Norse mythology and Thor and Odin and their family and stuff. But like, it felt very okay. Everything came out of this one thing, and then the everything killed the one thing, and now it's everything else. And then it all comes back down to one thing, and then there's more things, and they gotta kill the thing. Kill? What the hell are you saying? You <laughs> you hold on. You <laughs> tracked every damn thing I just said. Think about Greek mythology and. Think okay, about this me, movie. Let, like... let me let me put it in a way that Kale couldn't, I guess. In the way that everything in Greek mythology is a clusterfuck, everyone is related to everyone, and everything is uh, supremely epic. Uh, having Hela be Thor and Loki's sister and Odin's daughter, and she's being cast to hell for being too aggressive in her like aspirations. Uh, her coming back... Too and... aggressively sexy. <laughs> This is definitely a Kale and Pete type of woman. Um. <laughs> well, in <laughs> uh, that way, it comes off very Greek epic, which is exactly okay. what I said. So, thank you. Yep, I got you. Um, that was a long while for a short drink of water, boys. <laughs> so, no, what Pete says is totally salient. Everything, all the, all the, all the stakes of Ragnarok are really undermined from Ella being. Uh, Thor and Loki's sister to Thor being lied and deceived uh, to Thor losing an eye that was it looked really badass but like <laughs> the weight of that moment was like just skimmed past it um, yeah and even Hela as a character I felt was well, even I... Hela as a character I felt was underserved because while I liked her I wanted to see more of her I wanted to see her do more and the only character she had to bounce off was Scourge and the whole time he's like oh, I don't know that's a good idea uh, yeah, I mean, his, his. I had a huge problem with Scourge because his intentions were like, I mean, they may as well have titled the movie Scourge and the Betrayal of Hela. Like, that was from the be- from the get go, that's what that was. And it was so projected. And then Ragnarok itself was. Well, yeah, of course, though. Ragnarok like, it, of no, course. not of course. Like, he's her minion. Like, yeah, because of fear. Like, she comes into existence, kills a bunch of people, and then is like, hey, do you want a job or do you want to get killed too? And he's a sniveling little shit. I, so, like, I of course know. he licks boot. So, and then Ragnarok itself, I feel, is underserved. It's, you know, it's the end times. And one thing that was actually kind of cool is after reading Thor Disassembled, I was able to kind of predict the ending. Because it, the whole yeah. point, thematically, of Ragnarok as a concept is that it's rebirth. Um, so... I, I like that little aspect, but like the actual event itself is undermined, and then Hulk having to go smash, and Thor calling Hulk back like a a dog, like it was just, it was more poorly timed comedy, and man, that wasn't even a joke. He's like, <laughs> I want to smash, and then he pooped his pants. Oh yeah, he's like big monster. He's like, I pooped my pants, and the audience laughed, <laughs> and then Hulk slipped on a banana peel, and they played Benny Hill music. Oh my god, Phil. <laughs> it like I uh I guess like similarly like I uh this is getting kind of off the topic of uh Hella 
but like the uh the soundtrack sort of especially in that final uh arc of the movie really frustrated me because when when thor activates his his power and realizes the power was within him the whole time uh he really um and you're just gonna walk past that huh all right no it was good he, i nodded um, silently <laughs> he, um, uh, they start playing the the Zeppelin again, and it really, it didn't yeah. feel as epic yeah. as it should have. No, it it, it, it was bad. That that I will I will absolutely like one hundred percent agree with. I felt that that was that was for, not for comparison's sake. There's a fight scene I think in Shrek three where they play the same song. So <laughs> put well, all the cards on the table here. That's like. Oh my god, dude. I don't even like you like I swear to god, it becomes so unfun to do these <laughs> reviews with you by well cuz it's like that's not a critique. The fact that a comedy movie used a serious Led Zeppelin song is like that's not saying it's not, anything it's not about just the a movie. movie. It's Shrek. It's and the Shrek, comedy movie. Shrek is Drek. I I like the ending a lot. But I think that there are obvious problems. So one thing that I like about the ending is that it's not about the fight. It's about other stuff. Uh, it's about p- trying to protect the people of Asgard because, you know, Thor has come to this realization that they are Asgard. And so it doesn't matter if Hela destroys Asgard. In fact, he's going to help her do that. I thought that that was very, very clever. Um and I like that the the actual last fight is it's really between Surtur and Hela. We've never seen that before. We've never seen two villains go at it. And I that that had me. That gripped me. Um, but Thor losing his eye in the Ragnarok comic book is he he does it to himself because that that's he has to sacrifice in order to gain this knowledge. In the movie, she just cuts it out, which is. I feel like that wound would have been like a million percent worse, but you know, moving aside from that, it it takes away from Thor's journey because he didn't choose that; it happened to him. Uh, so you know that that kind of was an issue for me. Go ahead, Pete. Yeah, I get the feeling that like the leadership is thrust upon him, where in in the comic he chooses to to take the lead and be a leader. Uh, yeah, well, it, it's a little tough just because in the comic he had already been the king of Asgard. So in right, in that, so. yeah, he wasn't he didn't become it in the book. He already had been for a while. Uh, I I guess for me here it's like all right, I have to do this, but I'm also ready for it. I like the fact that he was ready for it emotionally, but he didn't earn that. He didn't earn being ready for it. He just got his eye cut out. And he was having visions of his father that just were happening. I have no idea why at all. That's never explained. Not that I needed it to be explained because I'm not dumb, but it just... Right. Odin's got magic. Yeah, but it just, like, it just happened. And then he gains these new powers, which I interpreted to be the Odin Force, but that wasn't explained or talked about. And for anybody who... But for anybody who doesn't have that kind of knowledge that i do it's like well why is he so powerful all of a sudden what what happened i I don't know man those are the kinds of things where like i definitely i feel like you guys are way more critical about that kind of stuff like i i feel like you can trust the audience to like understand what's happening you know like he he has the conversation with odin he tells him that mjolnir was intended to 
funnel his powers so it wasn't really accentuating them at all and it's like oh okay and he has a wait a, a spiritual awakening right and it's like yeah like it's it's fucking rush and it's but like i don't think it's anything that like needed to be like here's what happened and like i feel like that's the fucking problem with the first thor movie is it spends so much time like trying to explain things that are just like it's magic it's alien magic like whatever you know like i don't know yeah for me it was it was only a half joke that i said the power was in within him all along like i think uh, i i assumed it it was yeah (laughs) i assumed that it was all just his like his full power apparently that was also a crimson helmsworth idea to get rid of the hammer i i don't have any problem with hemsworth has some good ideas of the hammer uh that's that's fine by me uh, I just tend to not like it when a, a, a character is set up to be definitively weaker than someone else, and then uh, out of basically nowhere, it's like, oh, hey, you didn't know this, but you're actually super powerful, so go kick ass. Uh, yeah. you know, I'm like, that's what happened in Wonder Woman, and that was super lame. Right, and that's what I'm talking about, so, you know, that's why yeah. I have a problem with this. Um, but let's let's kind of jump around a little bit. I'd like to talk just a little bit about uh, Loki. Yeah. So, what did you guys think about Loki in this film? I liked his arc. You know, like, I, I really like Tom Hiddleston as Loki. I thought, I, I, you know, I've said at least two or three times in this episode, I thought Thor 2 was terrible. Um, and that movie, like, it, no amount of of being good or anything in that could salvage it, right? So, like... I feel like it's been so long since Loki's been involved in something that I liked, because um, it has been, you know. Thor so too, like, though. no, Thor something something that he liked. I know, I know. I'm... Oh, oh, oh! You mean Thor as because well? They both have also, <laughs> like, for you, it'd probably be Avengers, right? For both of them. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, Kalen, I just misunderstood you when you said Thor 2. I was like, what? Like, did you just have a stroke? (laughs) Um, yeah, so, like, getting to see those two characters in a film I enjoyed, where they had their classic dynamic explored in good ways, um, is great for me, right? Because, like, Loki's, like, a piece of shit, more or less. But I think that, like, he's definitely shown moments of being um, softer towards Asgard and, like, his family and the people that he grew up with and, um, you know, kind of where he fits in in that world. And I felt like when we have his kind of, like, heel turn moment in this movie, I, like, definitely was like, fucking come on. Like, is this really what we're gonna do again? Like, Thor trusts you, and you betray him, or whatever, and I liked that Thor turned that around on him, and I thought that moment where they're in the elevator, and he's just like, oh, is that really what you think of me? And he's like, well, that's, that's how you are, man. Like, I'd like to think that you're better than that, but you've done nothing but show me that you're not willing to be better than that. So, I love you, but, like, this is who you are and this is who I am. And we need to just go our own ways, you know? And, like, and I thought that that was, like, a really, like, well-executed moment between them. And then to, like, have that be the reason that Loki turns around and does the right thing, I think, like, felt earned, you know? Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I, I, 
I would go, I agree with everything you said until the point where you said he did the right thing. I think Loki does the right thing for Loki. And I think that it's almost a guarantee that in Avengers Age of Ultron, or <laughs> in Avengers Infinity War, uh, Loki is going to betray them again. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but there's definitely a meta to the conversation that Thor has with Loki and to Thor not allowing Loki to betray him again in this film. Because this film was all about breaking the cycle. And that's what happens there. You know, Thor is not going to allow himself to be stuck in the cycle with his brother. He's going to force the break. And then that forces Loki to change. According to, you know, in, in Thor's mind. Uh, Thor breaks the cycle of Ragnarok. And that changes the game in every single way. So, I really like that. I love the elevator scene between Thor and Loki. I wish that we had gotten more of that. I remember sitting in the theater and being like, wow, this is so good. This shows me that they could have done more of this. Um, but, you know, we didn't get that. That's fine. But I just really liked that that scene and, and that dynamic. Uh, let's talk about Valkyrie a little bit. Man, I can't I can't wait to see what she does in the in the broader context of the, the MCU. Uh, because it it really seems like Tessa Thompson is uh, game for everything. Where was Sif? Where was Sif? We don't know. Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. I I mean, I know she had an appearance in Agents of Shield, so I don't know if the implication is that she's on Earth still. But that was that was uh but, four years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, um, I, I did think it was funny that. Like, of the Warriors four, the only one that's at all relevant... Oh, three? Three. They're four with Thor, right? No, four, um, <laughs> four with Sif. Well, it's, the, so it is, the, it's the Warriors three. Thor is, like, okay. their friend. Sif is their friend. Yes. Right, okay, got it. They all just die unceremoniously, yeah. and it's like, whatever, they're dead. Oh no, Thor's friends are dead. Like that's the extent of that moment. Because like, who gives a fuck about those characters? They have been which, like which, so underserved. Which like that they, like they're just not interesting. Which um, tangentially uh, is why I think it's hilarious that uh, when Zachary Levi was cast as uh, Shazam, it was uh, every like everywhere you saw it was like Thor Ragnarok, Zachary Levi. It was like oh. Are you sure? <laughs> or or uh, throw a right, line so, about Jane Foster dumping Thor. Was more just all right. It was a mutual dumping. Phil. Uh, oh my God. So, <sighs> just to put the focus back on Valkyrie, uh, I think she she was handled very very well. Uh, they gave her a full arc. You know, I get Phil's criticism about her just being the drunk uh, and then playing that up for laughs, but. You know, there was real. There was something real there, you know, uh, and I, I really appreciated that that they weren't just going to allow her to be this dumb character who's just a just a badass and that's it. You know, there was more to her than that, and I really appreciated that. Um, they did allude to the fact that she was, um, and, and this was a big news story that we didn't get to, but um, the woman who she's kind of like reaching out for in the flashback. You know, like, yeah. that's someone that she was with. That was her. Yeah, implied to be was, a lover. I right. Think. And they actually cut a scene from the movie that would have further fleshed that out. But the character is bisexual. And so that 
that does provide that uh, LGBT representation that the mm. films have never had before. And that. I'm upset. Yeah. I'm upset that they didn't sort of uh, explore that a little bit more just because, you know, we get it, but like not everybody's going to get yeah. it. And why can't that be, why can't that be, um, you know, set in stone the way Tony Stark would just kiss any woman that, at all. That, you know, like, that scene with the with the other Valkyrie dying, I interpret it as like a mentor dying, kind of like that scene in Wonder Woman. Yeah, when yeah, when Wonder I Woman's too. trainer gets shot, I I I, mm, I didn't consider yeah. it with with uh, romantic undertones. So that's that's another yeah, disservice I didn't know that. to the film. Yeah. Uh, I I do appreciate that the fact that she was characterized as like the the drunk with a you know a a, a war veteran drunk with the you know the hardcore past or whatever. I like that that was uh, hers. That you know they made that story from like a, a woman's point of view and everything. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, it was I, cool. Oh, uh, yeah, to me, like that aspect of her character was why like I I did read that scene as romantic. Right of like I don't I don't necessarily I don't necessarily feel like you'd get that same focus on like a mentor dying when she's like in the position that she is. But I guess you could argue that like when your entire platoon of all these people who are like your you know sisters in arms or whatever are all dead, that that would yeah no I matter just, what that would do it right. With what was given to us in the film, I don't think that there was like that was obvious. Like I didn't get it at all. No, yeah, it definitely wasn't obvious at all, um, and it's unfortunate that there was apparently a scene that like doubled down on that that we just never saw. Um, um. Which, yeah, I mean, I, I think like that's like that's the unfortunate thing about this is like I feel like there's two really good complete movies here that both suffer a little bit from being uh, put together. <laughs> Phil Whirlwind. <laughs> Okay. Uh, you don't have to interject on everything I say to reiterate the same opinion or or to go and put in a total non sequitur that has nothing to do with what we're talking about to be like, oh, I didn't like that joke about Jane Foster. We get it. Um, <laughs> so um, I think Valkyrie <laughs> – I think Valkyrie was pretty good. Um, I like that she had a full character arc. Um I like the way she played off Jeff Goldblum's character, or rather the way Jeff Goldblum mm. played off of her, where it was like, uh, 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 what's that word I always describe you as? I, I love that scene where she touches his face, and he's just like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> but, uh, some, some of her dialogue, that's not her, the character's fault, it's like the dialogue of the film. Like, it took me out of it, because like, it felt like the actress was being the actress, just using like 2017 verbiage, versus like, you know, uh, ancient Valkyrie on a on the rim of the galaxy or whatever. But no, she. I, I like the character arc. I'm curious to see what, if if they'll do anything with her going forward. So she's I, like. I would love to see her. Sorry, I was, I, I was just gonna say I would love to see her join the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, that'd be yeah, that'd be okay. Uh, she's like trying to spearhead like an all female uh, Marvel movie. Yeah. Um, did we talk about that? I feel like we – I read that a few places, I know, but – We uh, we didn't address that, no. Okay, yeah. She like marched into Kevin Feige's office and was like, we need an all-female uh, Marvel hero movie. And he was like, okay. I'm fairly sure that that actually took place at like a, 
photo shoot that they were having for Avengers 4 and all the women were there and she led the charge but they were all kind of like yeah what's up with that and he was mm-hmm. like oh yeah okay oh right. huh i was i was under the impression like he, she did actually go into his office and i i mean i could be it? wrong but I'm, I'm i i think i read that what's up what was the name of that book that was the avengers alternate universe during like the big multiverse ending event that was like the team of just female avengers a force yeah, A Force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get an A Force movie out there. So let's uh, let's talk about the mid credits scene before we wrap up. So the film ends with Thor and the Asgardians on this big ship, and they're headed for Earth because they're going to make Asgard on Earth. And then the mid credits scene comes, and they are dwarfed by a massive, massive ship. I'll explain what it is, but I want to know from you guys first. What do you think that was? Thanos took the te- uh, Loki took the tesseract, and Thanos was tra- he tracked him down. Yeah, I think it's Thanos. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I I feel like it's like definitely Thanos, right? Like uh, the thing that I took away from it was that the ship looked similar to the ship that Ronan had in Guardians One. The accuser. So, yes. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if this is just, like, the mothership in that fleet or something like that, and Thanos is, like, actually on this fucking ship, like, there to chase down and get the, I mean, it could be the Tesseract, but it's also, like, we saw the Infinity well, Gauntlet cheap, cheap in this movie, too. Or something, apparently. Yeah, she made a comment about that, but, yeah, I don't know. Which actually, uh, solves a problem that the MCU has had. And kills my theory 1,000% about how Infinity War would go because everybody was under the impression that there were two Infinity Gauntlets and now we know that one was fake. And it's burned away completely because Asgard is gone. Um, but yeah, you guys are right. That's Thanos' ship. It's the it's the Sanctuary 2. And uh, he's coming. I don't necessarily know that he is aware of where the... Uh, Tesseract is or that he knows specifically that it's on that ship we don't know that that's a good theory Uh, but based on the Infinity War trailer that we did see back at San Diego Comic Con I'm pretty sure that Thor is getting kicked off his own ship and I believe that Loki did take the Tesseract and is going to give it to Thanos in order to survive and he'll probably let them go is my guess. He'll let the Asgardians go, banish Thor, and then that kind of kicks off uh, Avengers 3. You think he'll You think he'll let him go? My my guess would I mean, be he'll just wipe him out. Yeah, I feel like there'll be massive I don't, I don't, genocide. I don't see that because Thor's story still has to go somewhere, you know, with the Asgardians, but... I feel like... I feel like Thanos will probably kill all the Asgardians and then at the end of Avengers 3 or the start of Avengers 4, wherever the event that I think is going to happen happens, the remaining Avengers, like after Thanos wipes out 50% of the universe, I think they're going to collect the Dragon Balls and wish everybody back to life. And I mean that like facetiously. I don't, obviously I'm not like saying that as a bit. I mean like that's what happened in the comic is that like half the universe gets wiped out and then they bring everybody back. So like... I feel like having all the Asgardians get wiped out except for Thor and Loki isn't out of the question, but I don't think that that will be a final point for them. No, no, I don't think so either. Um, I think uh, I think a Dragon Ball Z crossover would be great for these movies. 
Oh my god, stop. <laughs> uh, and that's absolutely where we're ending because I don't want to entertain that for one more second. Um, uh, can I, uh, can I think I, that's peak content. <laughs> can I uh, also just uh, throw out um, I uh, absolutely 100% love the soundtrack to this movie. Uh, like where where the Zeppelin was placed was like the only problem I had with it but the fact that it was there in general really worked for me like this the soundtrack for this movie is my jam like it was that that may have well has been tailored for me yeah I'm actually I'm with Kale I thought that the like 80s um like atmospheric electro synth stuff that they had going on like when it wasn't licensed music was like really cool I thought it, it had a really good vibe to it, and I think, like, um, that and the visual aesthetic of the film is a big part of what really worked for me. Yeah. Is that yeah. I think it, it, it presents a really, like, engaging sci-fi just atmosphere to for this story to play out in. And, like, that's what's so fun about, like, Marvel cosmic shit is seeing these very, like, Earth superheroes in these crazy different kinds of locales um but yeah like the neon nor dirty 80s synth vibe like very much worked for me too good i really liked it um the chase scene where the grandmaster's soldiers chased um the grandmaster's orgy ship the music there in particular was really really good uh yeah yeah that was a great sequence yeah and also who could forget the wonderful birthday sex song inside of the Grandmaster's ship. <laughs> it's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so yeah. with that, uh, we're going to wrap up our review of the show or of the uh, movie. Uh, let us know what your thoughts about Thor Ragnarok were. We had an in-depth discussion. Uh, we'd love to add you to the narrative. So, uh, you can write to us all over the place. You can reach out to us on iTunes. Leave us a rating while you're there. You can also leave us a rating on your podcast hosting platform of choice. You can write to us at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold. We are at the Comics Pals. We are the Comics Pals at gmail.com. You can write to us your your mini review of Thor there if you'd like. Uh, we'll read it on the air. Uh, and uh, last but not least, we are on YouTube at the Comics Pals. You, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can like the video, share it with your friends, and subscribe to our channel. Uh, leave us your your mini reviews. Drop those down there. Let us know what you thought of Thor. Uh, I'd love to hear from you guys about this film. I think it was a very good film, despite the fact that it definitely has some obvious flaws. Um, and I'm very interested in what, how this movie is going to be viewed in history as we you know as years go by and the hype goes down i want to know what people are going to think about this movie as we go forward agreed so let's do some plugs pete cool thank you guys again so much for joining us here on another episode of the comics pals uh if you guys want to get some more content from me make sure you check out the video game pals with me and sean uh it posts the day after the comics pals so if you're a video game fan check it out uh, this week, actually, we've got a really cool show. We're talking about Paris Games Week and all the stuff Sony had going on, BlizzCon, and we've got uh, Tyler from The Long Box joining us. Oh, so gross. it should be a great episode. Please tune in. Um, 
Thanks, Kel. I'm not trying to promote it or anything. Uh, and then you can also check out uh, Pals Play with me and Thompson every Monday through Friday. We're going to be starting Mario Odyssey this week, so Ooh, make nice. sure you tune in. It's going to be a good time. And then uh, if you guys want to connect with me, you can follow at loud underscore Pete, wherever your social media is sold. And uh, do me a favor and check out my writing over at CBR.com as well. Help me pay the bills. I've got some cool articles coming out in the weeks ahead about uh, some stuff like Pokemon, Thor Ragnarok. It's going to be a good time. So come check it out. Awesome. Kale? Uh, I produced a little show called the Riverdale Review. Uh, I have been finally promoted to uh, full-time third chair. Uh, so everybody's real excited about that. Um, we are planning to have, I think this week, is it this week? What is, yeah, this week, uh, we are having, uh, Betty Felon on as a, a guest to review episode, uh, four, I think. No, five. five. Episode five. Five. Episode five of, uh, Riverdale. So we're, uh, we're all just really excited about that. Uh, you can find... You can find my comics and panels comics on Comicsology. Um, help me pay the bills because I'm more important than Pete, and I'm hungrier. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O W. Phil, um, just want to promote CBS's great new show, Young Sheldon. It's fun for people of all ages. You know, <laughs> just the comedy flows like an ocean wave. If you like the laugh, if you like the blots, Young Sheldon is for you. Coming back Come to on. CBS these Thursdays. You know what, guys? I think uh, I think that Phil's plugs are really to the detriment of Phil overall. You know, I feel like they're really distracting and uh, they just kind of get in the way of the overall Pete's narrative. Right the soundtrack really is me out of it. Pete's the right. soundtrack is terrible. <laughs> Pete's right, so watch Young Sheldon instead. <laughs> they use the background music in Shrek, so I just, I don't know. I think it's Pete's Marco? joking, but it's kind of true. Uh, you can find me at my newly rebranded self, Mr. Marco Animoto. That's Mr. Marco so A-N-I-M-O-T-O <laughs> on Instagram and uh, Twitter. And um, also check out the recently successfully funded um the house by uh drew zucker and philip Seavey. that's um a new kickstarter book that um i backed it looks really cool it's a horror series so check it out it looks uh looks really cool excited to to get it and as for me as always you can find me on twitter only at sean soapbox let's talk about thor ragnarok or black panther which is going to be awesome, and the trailer got a standing ovation in my audience. So Yeah, Blake Panther's going to be rad. Yeah. With that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. Peace!